Today's feast, Christ the King, the last Sunday of ordinary time, and believe it or not, next Sunday is Advent. Well, today is the perfect celebration for all Christians as our nation concludes what's been a long, tumultuous, and for many, an emotionally draining election cycle. But it is also the perfect celebration for Christians in other nations that are now or shall soon be holding their elections. But first we need to ask ourselves what our understanding of the word king is. In most cases, kings today have been reduced to constitutional monarchs, forbidden to play any role in the political life of their nations, relegated pretty much to ceremonial duties. And yet, they are still held in immense symbolic roles for their people. A king is thought, at, is thought of and looked upon as reflecting the highest standards of his people, a living exemplar of all that is best about the national identity of his people. Now, it is, of course, an impossible standard for any human being to live up to, and yet it is a standard that people still expect of their monarchs. In some respects, we do the same thing with our presidents and their wives, or someday, presidents and their husbands, expecting them to be the perfect examples of the American people, living embodiments of the best qualities of our republic, now, objectively, of course, we all know they'll never meet those expectations, but that doesn't stop us from wanting them to do so and being very disappointed when they fall short of our expectations. The kings of Israel were a mixed bag. Some were horrible, such as the first king, Abimelech, who slaughtered people to achieve the throne and continued slaughtering people to cling to the throne. Some tried very hard, like David, to live up to the ideals of kingship, but he too contended with the weaknesses of our fallen nature. He committed adultery, and to cover that sin, he dug himself deeper in sin by arranging the murder of the woman's husband, one of his most loyal soldiers. Solomon, the son of David, was an excellent king, but in his old age, our fallen nature got the best of him, and he deeply offended God by allowing his foreign wives to build temples to their pagan gods and goddesses. No human being could ever be perfect enough to be all that a king was expected to be. But on this feast, of Christ the King, we are reminded that we have a king like no other, Jesus, the Son of the living God. Jesus is a king who not only meets our highest expectations, but surpasses them. He is a king who, as St. Paul tells us in his letter to the Colossians, is the image of the invisible God, the head of the body, the church. And this reveals a tremendous amount of information, but I want to focus on three realities. First, Jesus is an eternal king, not subject to the ravages of time. He does not weaken or change in his love for us or 
his resolve to save us. Second, Jesus is a king that judges not according to the ever-changing standards of political correctness or passing social theories, but according to the truth of what it means for us to be made in the love and the image of God, his Father. It is not Jesus' responsibility to change the truth to accommodate our weaknesses. Rather, it is our responsibility, our glory, to accept the graces that we are given, to struggle to embrace the truth, struggle to grow in the truth, and thereby rise to the standards he has set so we can be authentically human. And when we fail, we must never give in to discouragement, but confess the failure knowing that the king sees beyond the failure to the potential that lies within each of us and the glory that lies ahead for each of us. This is also true for the church that Jesus, the king, personally established. The church is not free to change the truth, to conform to our frailties but rather is called to encourage and strengthen us with the gospel, the sacraments, its teachings, the communal faith, to help us grow in truth, rise above our frailties in mutual support, and in doing so, find a measure of peace and joy. Finally, and I find most comforting, because Jesus is an eternal king, it is his kingdom that is our true home. Our sojourn in this life calls us to bring the best of ourselves into whatever nation we live in, to be good citizens of whatever nation the Christian finds himself or herself in, to speak out against what is evil, to bring into office men and women of outstanding reputation, to bring the values of the gospel into all aspects of national life. But in all the upheavals and the upsets and the twists and the turns that are inevitable components of human politics, we ought to remember that when the Lord comes, and please may it be today, all nations shall cease to exist. National identity will mean nothing. Our true home, our ultimate security, is the kingdom of God which we already have by baptism, because, and the kingdom of God alone can satisfy the deepest longing of the human soul. We see this being played out in our gospel text. Have you ever wondered why the two thieves crucified on either side of Jesus reacted so differently to him? One of them right up to the bitter end sided with the very political powers that nailed him to his cross and reviled Jesus. He was a true devotee of the world. But the other thief allowed his suffering to be the opportunity to take stock of his life and make a fearless moral inventory of his life as he prepared to be embraced by death. He reprimanded his partner in crime. He reminded him that they received a just punishment and that Jesus had done nothing criminal. 
Many grow in leaps and bounds spiritually when they suffer. This thief abandoned the politics of empire and put his hope in a person who was suffering right next to him, a divine person, Jesus. And in doing so, this thief offered comfort to the Lord while everyone else was mocking him. In all likelihood, this thief had not witnessed any of Jesus' miracles. He probably hadn't heard any of Jesus' teachings. But he chose to allow his suffering to become the vehicle to accept hope and placed his trust in Jesus. Responding to what can only have been the mystery of grace, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And this thief was the only person in the whole of Scripture to ever hear these words, Amen. I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. Guaranteed salvation. As our nation and other nations prepare to adjust to new political administrations and all the things that shall come with these changes in leadership, Christians are called to place their ultimate hope in Jesus, the only true king who will never disappoint. And while in this world, every Christian is called to infuse the principles of faith into all aspects of national life, whatever nation the Christian lives in, and in moments of disappointment or confusion, of anxiety or fear of the future, to remember that in the end, Jesus, the King, is the only Lord of time and history, not man, Jesus.